I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, February 24th, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Well, good morning, good morning. This is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running and most respected money show on radio, and even more so now that Dr. Roger Tutterow's in the house. The doc is in the house. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a low standard for entertainment. Well, I mean, clearly, but, you know, we're not <laughs> it's really... It's been a minute since <laughs> we had a doctor in the house. This so is true. Yeah. This is true. That's Troy Harmon. You, you have a lot of designations, right? Uh, a couple, yeah. CFA, CVA. Soon to be still working on, yeah, hoping working to on, become. Yeah, he'd be the incredible certified man, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All that really says he could pass a test. Yeah, I was smart one day in my life. <clears throat> and I'm just a lowly CFP, you know, certified lowly. financial planner. Yeah, I'm not as smart as a PhD though. But you are dollar bill. That's true, dollar, not dollar. Dollar, dollar, dollar. Yeah. Gives you a lot of Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, there, there's not many people. I'm from Stone can, Mountain. Come on. There's not many people that can call themselves dollar. Bill. I agree. I agree. There's and after last year, it was like a dollar and a quarter. <laughs> Buck and a quarter bill. There we go. So, how did the market do this week? Uh, a little bit better. Uh, it's got a, a brief um, World's week. not ending? It uh, doesn't seem to be ending, although Tuesday, you know, we got a little bit of news and uh, inflation worries and uh, rate increases all started uh Hitting the market, uh, Dow's down 1%. But, you know, I've been making this case for a while. The Dow is more expensive than the S&P 500. The S&P was down 0.6% uh, on that particular day. But if you look over the last five days, 20 basis points higher, not too bad. Um, the uh, information technology sector was the was the big winner, 1.4% this week. And on the other end, energy down 1.59%. That's been kind of being beaten up by uh, supply issues. If you look year to date at this point, uh, market's up 1.14%. Um, discretionaries, consumer discretionary. So the things we go out and buy, 5.65% higher. Uh, real estate down 8.5%. That's that uh, sensitivity to interest <laughs> rates again. It's uh, you know it's kind of a bond proxy as is telecom utilities all down uh, energy as well all down more than seven percent year to date uh, pretty badly beaten up if you look over the past twelve months um, S and P five hundred is up fourteen point four percent all of last year we had twenty one point eight two percent but uh, information technology up thirty one point one four on the far end of that, telecom, 9.21% lower, real estate down 4.7, energy down 4.3, uh, discretionary, consumer discretionary, second highest um, sector at 19.66% over the last 12 months. Uh, we are in the middle of some uh, uh, earnings, and uh, looks here like my uh, interns have put together 
uh, I'm not sure what they've done. <laughs> Three thousand. Well, here's what you need to know. Out of eight thousand, earnings are higher. Earnings have been doing really well. Uh, if you look at this, I mean, it's a much broader index than the S&P 500, which I would normally look at. Earnings growth in this particular report, 15.5%, and that's pretty much what I've been seeing out of the S&P 500. So 15.5%. Uh, this is a fourth quarter earnings reported, you know, over the last few weeks. Um, it's it's uh, pretty handsome returns. And that's uh, year over year, right? It is year over uh, year. It's it's so. relative to their fourth quarter 2016. Um uh, but again, you know, the uh, news is not too bad when you uh, when you look at those basic details. Uh, we have gotten a little bit of news out of the economy this week, and I know our friend Roger Tuttero is probably better equipped to talk about this than I am. <laughs> he might not be equipped immediately, but I will tell you that uh, probably the biggest news this week is the uh, FOMC minutes. Right. Um, and it seems like there's a bit of a debate going on as to, you know, the the source of inflation, mm-hmm. whether or not we're going to have inflation. Uh, but it seems like all of them, because of economic growth, uh, the strength in our economy, uh, are talking about the fact that we will have some higher interest rates going forward. Yeah, I think that's clear. And, I mean, um, the good news is we're talking about rates going up because economic growth remains in good shape, uh, at least as we go to um, press this morning. The GDP for fourth quarter 2017, 2.6 on the hills of having been 1, 2, 3, 1, and 3, 2 in 2017. So that's a pretty good year for growth. Uh, the other part on them for the Fed is not just raising the short-term target rate. You know, we took it up once in December 15, once in 16, three times last year. We've got at least two, maybe three, maybe remote chance of four, but I think you're more likely to get two to three short-term rate hikes this year. Yeah. But the other side of the pie, and it plays back into our discussion of long-term rates, is not only are we not buying the bonds anymore, we're gradually starting to unwind yeah. those bonds that we purchased with a couple rounds of quantitative easing. Exactly. I see folks talking about uh, um, credit spreads. So when we're talking about credit spreads, it's uh, corporate bonds and uh, their yield relative to the Treasury. Uh, folks are getting a little bit weary, Well, you know, of, of uh, corporates. I, I've seen, uh, well, early in the year, I think we saw Goldman Sachs step away from some of their high-yield stuff, for right. sure. Yeah, on the high end, but I mean, if I think if you look at AAA bonds and you look at even, you know, medium-grade corporate bonds versus treasuries, they're still doing pretty well. Right. Uh, and so I think at some point they're going to walk away simply because they're going to say we're not getting enough return to justify what is presumably a little bit higher default risk. Yeah. Uh, before I came up here, I stopped by our Bloomberg terminal and the WERP. Uh, this is uh, global yields uh, are telling us that uh, we probably will have three uh, rate increases in 2018, first of which is expected next month in March, uh, second of which would be June, and the third being maybe even as early as November now. Right. And, and what's really strange is uh, first of this month, um, you know, we went from that locked in with a third uh, third rate increase being in December, you know, over a day or two span when we had some volatility in the market. The next thing you know, uh, some of those numbers started showing that we'd push that third rate increase into 2019. Um, right. I mean, I think that's clearly the one that's in play. And, you know, one of the ways of handicapping it is the Chicago Merck has the Fed Funds Futures Markets, and you can look at each of the FOMC meeting, minutes, excuse me, each of the FOMC meetings and infer probabilities of rate hikes. And it lines up exactly with what you're saying, Troy. Yeah. 
Uh, existing home sales, we got numbers out this week. Uh, they said they tumbled in January, so the number of houses sold were down 3.2%. But uh, strangely enough, uh, the the uh, median price year over year was still up 5.8%. Right. You know, it's funny. Sometimes we think uh, about home sales going down, and we assume that means there's softness on the demand side. But candidly, I think part of the problem in the housing market is the supply is just not there. And so if you have pockets of the of the uh, market where you're undersupplied, then you're going to get both the actual number that sell go down and prices go up. Roger, do you know off the top of your head what is normally considered a reasonable supply in the market? I, I've heard 10 or 11 months. Is it bigger than that? That, than that? that might be getting a little bit long. Um, you know, it varies in different markets. I mean, historically, Atlanta, for example, we have speculative builders. Uh, different parts of the country do not have as many builders that build on spec, more of them are pre-existing, so that can affect the number of months of supply as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, jobless claims. This has been the, the great story for a long, long time. We still have unemployment at 4.1%. Uh, this is a weekly number, so initial claims for unemployment insurance benefits fell 7,000 from the previous week to uh, 222,000. Uh, Four-week moving average slid 2250 from the previous week. This number just seems to never give up. It's just getting stronger as we go or so it seems it does the labor markets you know the 4.1 percent might be overstating a little bit on how tight they are because the labor participation rate has remained stubbornly uh, low uh, but that having been said i talked to people in construction in manufacturing and hospitality in transportation and they're all telling me that attracting retaining labor has become one of their big challenges yeah i know you look at a lot of uh, georgia numbers uh, does georgia look stronger weaker than the overall national economy uh, is there anything that gives you um, any conviction as to no the, the georgia economy is clearly stronger than the national average uh, we've been pretty consistently among the top uh, seven or eight fastest-growing states in terms of payroll changes, and I don't see that changing going forward. We've had a lot of great economic development wins over the last couple of years. And then, of course, this week the governor talked about support for bringing down income taxes in Georgia as an artifact of the federal tax reform. Right. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I did notice that our 10-year Treasury rate uh, was up 8 basis points or 0.8 basis points uh, this week to uh, 2.92%. That's about as high as the 10-year has been in a while. Yeah, it's probably at least four years, I think, since right after the the taper tantrum, I guess it was. Yeah, right. But you put it in context, I remember being out in L.A. giving a talk back in probably 2003 or so. And the 10-year bond got down to, I think, 3.1%. I marveled, could it ever go lower than that? Right. I never dreamed we'd get down to one and a half after Brexit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, Two-year being at 2.25, where, you know, it's still the, the spread between the two and the 10 is not really big compared to historical times, right? No, that's right. Very narrow spread. Or 70 bips. Yeah, and, of course, there's two implications there. One is the banks like to see a steeper yield curve. Right. Uh, presumably, the, the spread between twos and tens proxies a little bit for how good they're going to be at taking deposits and creating uh, loans with it. But the other thing is, as the yield curve flattens out and those spreads narrow, traditionally it has some predictive power for economic activity down the road. Yeah. Uh, I do have another question for you, but I think we probably ought to take a break real quick. And uh, when we come back, I want to kind of pick your brain on something else to do with some interest rates. Uh, But we also have a dog of the week coming up. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
right, Troy. Well, you know when uh, the labor market tightens up, you start hearing all kind of weird stories. Uh, this uh, comes out of the Associated Press. Uh, a um, trolley driver out of Boston, um, it's been about a year and a half ago, was uh, uh, it was October 30th, in fact, of 2016, was uh, doing his job. Obviously a cool night, winter coming on. Uh, man ran up and started just beating the fool out of him. Had a uh, Halloween mask on, was carrying a plastic pumpkin. Uh, the guy um, obviously was, was injured, so he, uh, um, he applied for uh, unemployment, disability, got both. Um, turns out this week that uh, they did a little bit of... Uh, fingerprint analysis on the pumpkin and they followed that uh, those fingerprints to a man who uh, said oh yeah I, I beat him up but he paid me two thousand dollars to do it <laughs> wow so uh, anyway you got a you got a weird situation the guy uh, i feel like two people might be going to jail uh, yeah uh, so. at the very least one mr thomas lucy who worked for the massachusetts bay transportation authority uh is uh, is facing some charges at this point for uh fraud a little strange. Alleged, the way, alleged. Well, I mean, he's facing charges. I, I didn't say he was guilty, nor would I. But uh, that's a clear sign of inflation. I mean, in my old neighborhood, you could get beat up for a lot less than that, <laughs> like fifty bucks, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. Well, if they knew you had it on you, maybe right. you'd get beaten up. But so. I mean, this guy went out seeking help to uh, yeah. be able to to uh, add his uh, his Where name you come to up the with rules. This? Garbage. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of interns. They help me a good bit. Uh, Clearly not today. But it's, I mean, you know. It's just good investigative journalism, Bill. <laughs> is that what that yes, is? I think yes, so. Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. No, no doubt. work for fake news. Is that the deal? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a, a real thin field, right? There's there's a whole lot of focus in uh, fake news this, is true. this day and have been for a while. All right, Roger. So, so let's just say that the Fed raises rates March. Right. A, why do I care? B, does that automatically mean the 10-year or other rates are going to go up? I don't think so. I mean, long-term markets are forward-looking. And so the 10-year bond is trying to handicap not just where it sees the short-term rate going in March, but where it sees it going over the next several years. And and also, sometimes it can be a little tricky because um, if the market is concerned about inflation, which is always the enemy of the long bond, then rate, short-term rate hikes actually can bring down long-term rates if they see it as inflation that the Fed is going to be, a conviction the Fed's going to be diligent against inflation. Now, I don't think anybody out there is worried about inflation at this point, and that's why you know, I think you're looking at a 2.9 for a 10-year bond. We'll breach 3% at some point, but I mean, I don't see what takes us to 4% in 2018. And the short-term rates, so we're going to be at, uh, if we want one hike, we're at what, 225 mm-hmm. to 250 on Fed funds, that's uh, what, 550 on the prime? That shouldn't scare anybody away. No. Now, keep in mind, before the Great Recession, we were at 525 on the Fed funds, 825 on the prime, and I don't recall a lot of dialogue about rates being too high. Yeah, and they've been ridiculously low for a long, long time. I, you know, economic growth has kind of crept along, you know, as as uh, we've kind of grown from that uh, recession, the recovery, and and you talk about this about this uh, once in a while. Uh, in fact, I I love the the to uh, copy your phrase that uh, uh, recoveries from recession, usually the Fed kills them, right? They don't die of old age. <laughs> they don't die of old age. Just bad policy, asset bubbles, something like that. So what do you think but, What do you think happens here? I mean, well, it, it is fair to say we're in the 105th month of this expansion. 
So by the time May rolls around, we're going to be the second largest expansion. We'll pass the one, but the Kennedy-Johnson expansion between 61 and 69, and we'll be second only to the one between 1991 and 2001. That's a long time for the economy to grow without a correction. Uh, the good news is I think that the, the economy still looks pretty good. This morning we got numbers on the leading economic indicators, <clears throat> and they continue to show that uh, while there may be some risk out there, the near-term prospects for growth remain quite favorable. Yeah. Um, I, I know also we've talked about um, <clears throat> having having a um, situation where, you know, obviously when you've got expected future cash flows and, and you uh, use those uh, yields to bring them back to, to uh, present value. I won't mm-hmm. get any more technical than that. But uh, I'm already sleeping. <laughs> the the thing that we've seen with the Fed is they talk about their dot plots and, and maybe getting as, as we're going to get technical. Well, I don't even couldn't even tell you. That's why I'm asking the doctor. Uh, his the dot plots seem to indicate that three percent is probably the high end of their uh, yields. Is that is you know, that still kind of intact? And I, I love my friends at the Fed, but I would tell you that the dot plot diagram has been one of the worst forecasters of interest rates out oh, yeah. there. Uh, but I do think it tells you something about what the Fed leadership thinks the long-term horizon looks like. And so I think that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, I, I don't think necessarily for near-term predictive power it's done that well. But at the end of the day, I want a Federal Reserve that is data-dependent. So I want them to respond as the economy changes and as data comes in that paints a different picture. Yeah. So <clears throat> and you, I, I probably should – I don't like asking a question I don't know the answer to, but I don't actually know the answer to this, so I may come off looking dumber than I already am. But <clears> – <throat> You, you have a – I mean, look, the market is the market. In other words, it really is based upon supply and demand, what mm-hmm. people are willing to pay for something, right? So if bond prices go up, the yields go down. If bond prices go down, the yields go up, mm-hmm. okay? So you have the Fed that's not basically buying any more bonds in the marketplace, right. and then they're letting the ones roll off that they currently own. So is there going to be a supply issue Yeah, that's a great point. You know, between 2009 and 2013, I believe it was, we had three rounds of quantitative easing. The Fed uh, took their balance sheet up fourfold by buying treasury bonds and mortgage-backed uh, agency paper. And starting last year in the fourth quarter, they started letting, I think it's $10 billion a month burn off. Now we're at $20 billion a month. Next quarter it'll be $30 billion a month. So by the end of the year, we're going to have a pace of $600 billion a year allowed to mature and roll off the balance sheet. Well, th- those bonds are going to have to go somewhere else. Someone else is going to have to buy them. And the way you get so that someone to buy them is by offering a more attractive yields. And I think that probably the beginning of the unwinding of the quantitative easings, which, as we said, started the fourth quarter of last year, probably has contributed some to some upward pressure on long-term rates. All right. So I, I'm, I'm a person who can move money all over the world, and I'm in Europe, and I realize, oh, man, you know, they're still easing over there. Rates right. are low. Would that not then drive cash to come back over here and then push rates back down? I think you're exactly right. And we frequently say one of the things that holds down long-term rates is that you can look across the pond and you can see um, Italy and Ireland and, and Greece and Spain and Portugal and these countries that were threatening to default upon their debt obligations a couple of years ago. And in many of their cases, they've got 10-year bonds running 2% or less. So that tells you, certainly not in Greece's case, but if you look at Italy and Ireland and Spain and Portugal, it tells you it's hard for, for domestic rates to go up very fast. Now, the one last caveat is if you're going to be investing in another country, you do have foreign exchange exposure. 
Because if I take those uh, euro and I convert them into dollars and park them in the U.S., eventually that, that instrument will mature, and you'll want to convert it back into euros. Right. So you're making a bet not just on the spread between interest rates, but what you think foreign exchange will look like when the instrument matures. Yeah. Is this is when we buy bitcoins? Is, <laughs> is that, no? no I'm not do sure bitcoin. if there is, is that a time a, to buy bitcoin. No. I saw that uh, article. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not advocating <clears throat> that for sure. Well, you're not. Really? No. I'm, I'm you're not saying, in bitcoin? Uh, no. Really? Uh, Bitcoin. I bought it when it first came out, man. Where, where have you been? It's a speculation. I sold it, it like when it first when, came You know, you know what, three was, months ago. I was talking to a guy locally here. That's a joke, uh, by the way. Yeah, I hope it is. <laughs> a bad one. Uh, anyway, I was talking to a guy here locally, and, uh, you know, when Bitcoin was relatively new, he used seven Bitcoin to buy himself a, a USB cable. A USB cable. Bitcoin is now, what, 10 grand per Bitcoin? 70 grand. <laughs> For a, for a USB cable. It didn't cost him that much at the time, but as inflation mm. in Bitcoin cr was created, there he was. Uh, it's just bizarre. Some of the stories you hear out there, but anyway. Yeah, don't invest. Invest, and I'm using air quotes here. Uh, it's really more of speculation in the Bitcoin. So, uh, and I, we may run long here just because I want to I want to go back to the, the question I was asking. So as money flows over here, it's going to drive the price of the bonds higher because you're bidding them up. Yields come down, it's just a vicious circle, right? So we don't really know how much demand is going to be from overseas right. versus how fast they're rolling them off, meaning the Fed. But then we have a deficit, so we're having to print more, correct? Right. Well, yeah, you, you've got at least at least three or four different factors. You know, you've got the unwinding of the quantitative easings, which, if anything, should push the rates up. You've got the fact that Europe is still adding accommodation. So to that degree, some of that may flow over here and park in, in, in U.S. bonds and hold rates down. Uh, you've got what will likely be an increasing deficit, uh, although the, the, the linkages between deficits and interest rates, you know, there's, a, there's some time. But they got to print more bonds, right? they got to sell more bonds. Yeah, they, that's right. Okay. And so someone's got to buy them. And then, of course, the other, the other part of it is countries that have big trade surpluses like with us, like China, they got to park those dollars somewhere. You know, China doesn't buy U.S. bonds because they love the U.S. They buy U.S. bonds because they got a lot of dollars because of their trade surplus. Right. No right, well, doubt. Didn't have to run over. Yeah. So we're going to stop here for a quick break. You listen to Money Talks. I'm Bill Laco, Troy Harmon, Dr. Roger Tuttero. We'll be right back. start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. Sell, 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 sell. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. And we're back. I'm Bill Laco, certified financial planner, along with Troy Harmon. Too many designations to mention. And then there's Dr. Roger Tuttero. 
What's your What's your title over there now? What's your What's your you're like Chief Puba Economic nah, Guru? Nah, just just a the school teacher. Just school just, teacher. Just economic professor of economics, director of the economy. But you are Center. a Georgia public school teacher. I, mean, I am. You know. I'm blessed to be here, being an employee of the state of Georgia, and yeah. spend some time with some of Georgia's new uh, bright, best and brightest young minds. That's true. That's true. I went to that school. Yeah, me too. You did twice. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to see we did no damage. That's rule one, right? <laughs> well, do no damage. Do no harm. Rule one. You've been talking to us for the last few minutes, and uh, <laughs> you tell us how much damage it really was. So let's talk about something else here. And I know we hit on it originally when when the tax law passed, but you know how the corporate tax rate has come down. And I think, Roger, you and I may have a different opinion on this a little bit, but I think it's it's going to be a windfall, not just for corporations, but I think there's going to be a lot more cap capex spending, capital expenditures, personally, because I don't view it just uh, for Home Depot and McDonald's, and although they have some interest, interesting tax rates last year versus this year. So, and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, firms like ours are sitting here saying, "Okay, we're really not going to have a lower tax rate." Okay, mm-hmm. pass-through entities, especially ones that have been carved out, ultimately are not going to get a lower tax rate. And, um, you know, if this is good, the lower taxes is probably going to be for the 97%, maybe 95% of the people, which is fine. But because of how they structured depreciation and the fact that I can now go buy, you know, an SUV or, uh, you know, I need a backhoe or whatever it is that I need, and I can write it off 100% this year, mm-hmm. the question becomes, you know, there's, there's plant and equipment that I've been wanting to upgrade or want to build. Why would I give the government half my money when I can – you know, right. go expand my business. Yeah, have an asset to show for it. Yeah. So, I mean, but but I feel like that's going to be the same scenario with some of the larger corporations in the sense that, you know, I, I, I can't believe this tax bill is not going to be good for Southern Company. I can't believe this tax bill is not going to be good for Home Depot. I can't believe, I mean, they, they were, Faxit was saying McDonald's tax rate, if this is right, I can't believe this, was 31.3% last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be a huge windfall sure. for them. You know, and, that, and that's the key is that different companies had different effective tax rates. Right. And so if you were a company and you were already down in the low 20s, then it may not give you the same kind of headline pop from this reduction that some of the companies, like you just mentioned. I think a lot of the pharma and some of the technology firms had pretty high tax rates. The other part, though, is I really think you're right on the depreciation. You know, businesses live in a cash flow world, mm-hmm. and you have to stroke the check for that capital equipment in many cases up front. And so if you have to depreciate it over time, you know, now being able to expense it and take all the deduction right now raises the return on the CapEx. And typically what we've seen is we've seen accelerated depreciation used as a tax strategy when the economy is soft and we try to jumpstart things to get out of a recession. Uh, this time, obviously, we're not in a recession. We're far from that. So it'll be fun to watch it play out. But I think you're right. I think small businesses in particular may get some advantage out of that. And you, miss, you mentioned the pass-through, and I've worked through the rules a little bit and I'm not convinced I completely understand them yet. Oh, it's painful. But yeah. I think there will be some opportunity for some smaller businesses to organize in a way that does lower their effective rate. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to get a little creative, and, and, and we're all in favor of creativity. Right. We're, we're, what's, the, what's the term? Avoid, not evade. Yeah, yeah, one puts you in jail, the yeah. other one just puts more money in your pocket. Right. All in yeah. favor of that. But you also don't want to be on the cutting edge of this stuff. Right. They say, yeah. what's the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance? And usually the answer is $1,000 an hour attorney. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, 20 well, years you know, you, uh, you, you, I don't <laughs> know. You know, I, I've, I've heard and been and seen some seminars on this stuff, and, and I, I'm not prepared to go 
make a company to release my employees back to this company to avoid, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just, I don't want to be on the cutting edge of some of this stuff. No, right. and, and the real standard is you can do these things if there's economic substance to what you're doing. Right. But if it's just if it's just form over substance, it's not a good idea. Right. Yeah. You're going to pay the attorneys to reorganize your business in some strange manner, probably as much or more than you would have saved in tax. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not saying we wouldn't end up that way if there's some guidance that allows for it, but, you know, until you get guidance from the, IRS, you don't really want to be creating no. it. Yeah, you know. and they're still not giving us any of that yet, right? No. We see. Well, it's coming out, but not on this. I mean, not on this particular. And this math is tough. Right. You know, if you make between this and that and the other, and then you got to check to see if the moon's rising. You know, whether the, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Although it is what the Full face? Employment Act for financial advisors and CPAs. Oh, so, always good. I mean, yeah. The boys on K Street have got to eat as well, right? Well, yeah. 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 Sure. Well, I, you know, look, guys. Yeah. I, Interestingly enough, I think that with some math that I saw was that if the $2.8 trillion that is overseas gets repatriated, which is supposed to be around an 8% tax bracket, I mean, it can be a little higher than that. Yeah, I think it's right. between 8 and 15. It's low. Right. It's low. It's, but you're talking about adding somewhere between 200 and $300 billion to the coffers. You right. know, that might take care of some deficit. I yeah. don't know. Of course, that's a one-time hit, right? I mean, That's true. I, you know. I, I think the real key is how they spend it. It's. Uh, I think. Oh, they're going to spend it. I'm hoping so. I. I mean, that's. Oh no, that's I mean the government. I thought you meant the no, government. The, okay. government <laughs> the government will spend their part. They, they've never. I mean, we've already determined the Republicans know how to spend yeah. money as well as the Democrats. Corporations, so. I'm talking about. And, and uh, I know you, know, you don't want to get, get into out. the politics, but I don't mind. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I think. But listen, I think both sides of the aisle have uh, long histories of being willing to spend, maybe on different things or different agendas, sure. but. You know, we're, we're, we're not a country where our, our households are burdened by being too thrifty, and we and our federal government has a long history of being able to spend more than it takes in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are we talking about Social Security or are we talking about defense? That's pretty much the <clears throat> difference, right? It's it's a matter of what we're going to spend it on. Well, what would be the – and maybe, again, I'm just philosophical questions, not a political one. But, okay, I'm 47. I'm fine. Move out my retirement age for Social Security to 70. Right. How much money would that save the federal government? A lot. Yeah, and 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 I think that if you put it in a historical context, when Social Security started, uh, my guess is 65 was probably beyond the average life expectancy. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, we could all run our own insurance company in here if we were guaranteed half the people die before they had a claim. Right. Um, so I think part of the part of the other side of our increases in mortality. Or is the burden that it puts on the system. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time I reach my 60s, the day is not kicked out further. And there are some people that advocate means testing on it as well. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, it's certainly a big, it's the big bogey out there to try to figure out how to um, resolve these obligations. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. They should do it before you turn 60. But, right. I mean, in my opinion, you know, somebody's in college today, they're not thinking about retirement. So moving out five years, what difference does it make? Yeah, like pretty much anybody born after 1960, I believe 67 is the normal retirement age. Yeah. You can still retire at 62. Right. Take a reduced oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I did back-of-the-envelope math, and I think if you have a life expectancy that's kind of in line with the average, your total draw is about the same whether you start at 62, 65, or 67 because you get a lower benefit, but you draw it over more years. Again, consult your own local financial advisor, not me on that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a doctor, and it's just not well, that Well, I doctor. would yeah, – so right. I'll articulate that in a different <clears throat> manner. Now, mind you, as long as you're not working, you take it early – because if you're working, they're going to mm. penalize you pretty hard Absolutely. if you make above 14 grand or something. And I know there's a question in here about this, and I'm going to not not steal the thunder of the question, but um, 
But the reality is, you know, there's no beneficiary on Social Security. Right. So when you're dead, it's gone. Okay. Number one. Number two is, is that we generally, when we run the numbers, you're looking at if you draw, if you wait from 62 to 65, it's almost an 11 year payback. In other words, you're betting that you are right. going to live another 11 years. Right. To make up for the fact that you didn't get those payments for the first three or four years. Right. That's really what it boils down to. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have my money now. Yeah. You know. So I guess look at your credit card bill, see how many times you see dominoes on there, and it tells you whether or not you take it early. Or well, later. I mean, you know, we we, we got this sophisticated yeah. software program that will run 17 different scenarios. Should you, you know, take your wife's first, she take yours, right. blah, 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 you know, wow. suspend. And it does all this stuff, and it's almost every time comes back to, it, to, to your point. It doesn't really matter. Might as well get your money early. But you do have a great point. If you are going to continue to work uh, oh, yeah, and double dipping, then yeah. it's really going to get you. Right. Now, once you get full retirement age, you don't really have that problem. But So, uh, Troy, should we yes, take sir. a question? Uh, we can do that. Uh, how about very top of the list? Uh, I, this is uh, Christina from Florida. She asks, I saw that Green Mountain Keurig bought Dr. Pepper. I thought this would be a good merger, but I saw Dr. Pepper was downgraded by analysts. Uh, is this not a time to buy? Uh, you know, honestly, if you're going to buy, you almost have to be in the game before uh, the news is broken. Um, if you look at Dr. Pepper, I mean, the, the merger seems to make sense as far as industry uh, similarity, but uh, uh, reality is... Uh, you know, I'm I'm not so sure that I would want to own either one of these at the at the moment. Um, part of the uh, part of the issue is the fact that now I'm seeing um, Dr Pepper having uh, uh, a huge jump in uh, the the <clears throat> volume on some of its puts, meaning that the market overall is expecting that price to fall. A um, little bit strange. Uh, but in, in reality, I, I'm thinking that it's probably not the absolute best uh, time to get into the middle of this mix. Guys, we probably ought to take a real quick break right here, and uh, when we come back, we can talk about more economics. We can probably even answer another question or two. Might even give out our phone number. How about oh, that? Man, marketing? We can do that. Right? We'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Money and we're back. Bill Laco with Roger Tutero, Dr. Roger Tutero, and Troy Harmon. And just so that we can be marketing, if somebody actually wants our help, they can call 770-429-9166. Ask for Troy. Don't ask for me. Or Tutero. You'll answer, won't you? Absolutely. Okay, that's what I'm saying. You do get to talk to a human at that particular Oh, absolutely. Or you can email questions to drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And if you want to leave a question on our hotlines, 855-429-9166, and we'll answer those. Uh, I wanted to just take this question. <clears throat> I don't even, let's see if I can find it real quick. It's about the tax refund. So Lori from Kennesaw said, my mom seemed to receive her tax refund before she filed her taxes. Will the IRS be asking for this back? The answer to that is yes. And that is one of the hot scams right now is that um, – <laughs> 
magically appearing into your bank account as money from the federal government, U.S. Treasury, and don't spend it. Uh, the first thing you need to do is um, call your bank because the bank can automatically ACH you back to the IRS. And then if I can find my form number, you're going to want to call the IRS at 800-829-1040 and then fill out form 14039. Basically, it's the identity theft affidavit because generally speaking, that means somebody's filed a tax return for you already, and that's where the refund came from. It's not always that that way, but it is. But you say, well, why does that matter? The money's in my account. Yeah, because, see, you're going to get a phone call from these crooks that basically promise you they're going to send the SWAT team to your house. Yeah. They're going to take all your stuff, arrest you, blah, 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 unless you send the money immediately back to whatever bank account they give you, and they're going to sound like an IRS agent when they're not. Wow. And then guess what's going to happen when the federal government figures out they gave you the money by mistake? They're going to want the money back. Right. Guess who can they get it from? They can't get it from the scammer. No. Nope. Right. Came out of your bank account. <laughs> That's exactly where they're going to so, have to see it. See yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I, the IRS does not call you, generally speaking. They're not going to threaten you um, like that. They will send many, many letters that will be very intimidating. That's when you get your CPA involved, and then they're talking to the right people so you know you're not being scammed. Right. Generally speaking, the IRS is not going to – they're not going to send you an email and say, click this link – and put in your information. They don't do that. And they're not generally going to call and start threatening you. That's just not what they do. Yeah, it's amazing to me that this has become so commonplace. These IRS scams, uh, it first started out where they would just take your dependents' uh, right. Social Security number, then they were filing early for you, and, you know, in, instead of you uh, stealing your identity. Uh, and now they've taken it one step further. Yep. These things just morph uh, the more we go on. It's amazing how innovative these rascals can be to avoid actually getting a job and working for a living. Well, yeah, that is their job. They yeah. they just hang out and think of great ways to scam you and I out of, uh, it's out of hard-earned like, money. It's almost like those Russians that just organize protests. Yeah, yeah. On I, both sides of the coin, man. On both sides, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll how much? Well, how do you have you ever even thought about like what does it take to to get 500 people at one location? Like, how do you even organize? Like, I can't even, I don't even, I know there are people out there who do it. I get yeah. it. They're paid organizers. I understand that. But how do you even do that, Roger? Got to have like, a few buses, you, right? Well, I, I, deep pockets. Well, I mean, isn't this I mean, where do you go to the street corner and pick up people? I mean, how's that work? You advertise them classifieds? Yeah. yeah I don't right. know. It sounds like a political campaign to me. I, I know, but I'm, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I never even thought about that. Like, yeah. you know, you see these rallies and you always assume they're real people. Not you know not paid for and I, I you know anyway I'm not yeah. that's not a political statement because it was both sides right no no I'm with you I mean, I'm you know I'm, I, 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 Roger this is the eight million thousand dollar question yeah. here eight million thousand know I love saying? that yeah that's a big number when is the recession <laughs> well based on the Elliott leading indicators that came out this week it's hard to imagine that they would turn down fast enough to get it in the next couple of quarters. But I would tell you that um, I think in 2019, the probability will go higher. Um, you know, we are getting a little long in the tooth, as we say. That doesn't mean you have to have a recession. Uh, labor markets are tightening. Uh, so, you know, your ability to produce more output matters, too. 
uh, housing market home prices are getting to levels for the first time I'm hearing questions about affordability. Mm-hmm. I think there are still some hot housing markets, and particularly in the middle and first-time market, there's probably undersupplied. Uh, we probably are in the beginning of some kind of correction for multifamily. Uh, we, here in Atlanta, I'm thrilled to see the multifamily permits and start to pull back some, so we're probably less likely to get overbuilt in that segment than maybe some other southeastern cities are. Um, but but it, banks really still aren't lending all that much on development, are they? Uh, no, <clears throat> and they had been tightening a little bit with regard to their underwriting standards. On the development side, they used to talk about ADC, Acquisition, Development, Construction, and the banks have been lending on the construction side for a while. What they don't have an appetite for is the acquisition development, taking the farm, putting in the street lights and the, and the, and the gutters and, and the uh, sewer system. Right. And so that's, that's where a lot of the financing is still being done by uh, private money with deep pockets. Well, that's where they were bit hardest last time, right? And, right? and it's really strange that we always relive that last recession. It seems like sure. years and years into the future. But uh, The negative is in the hot markets. I mean, the shortages are lots are there because we've depleted mm-hmm. them all, and we're having trouble getting the financing and the zoning in many cases to, to take more land and commit, to develop more lots out of it. Yeah. So. Uh, well, it almost always starts with inflation, right? And I think that's probably why we've seen what uh, – Wage yeah, but increase 2.9 percent yeah. in January. But let's talk about like that. I know we, we only got four minutes left. But inflation, to me, I, I think it depends on how you define it. I mean, if we're running two, two and a half percent, that's not inflation. I mean, I'm, I mean, we're talking four, five, six percent, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we had we had a surge of inflation ninety ninety one. Uh, but for those of us who remember the, the mid seventies through nineteen eighty two, it's small potatoes. That was. <laughs> um, but the thing about it, I think, is that we. I think economists need to be a little bit more modest about our ability to forecast over long periods of time. And I, th- I like to say if I can. What? Get, yeah, I know. It's you hard guys to aren't exact. It's a, rare, it's a rare breath of modesty from an economist, <laughs> yeah. I give you. But I think that um, the issue is we're, we, we have some kind of insight over the next several quarters. But when people start telling me they know what the world's going to look like in 2021, I just kind of think uh, mm, they're smarter guys yeah. than I am. So. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, see, you're smart enough to know not to go there. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. But isn't, when my isn't friend says, give them a number, give them a date, but don't give them both. So there you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's probably good, good advice. Uh, I know, um, you know, Bill said 2% is not the big deal, but isn't, I mean, don't they try to get in front of inflation? It's once it gets to a certain level, it's hard to stop, right? Yeah. Once the inflation dynamics get built in to where prices are going up, so workers try to push for more wages and, but I'm not sure we've really been at that kind of a cycle uh, in terms of inflation in quite a while. Right. Uh, the, again, those of us remember the uh, 70s. If yeah. you remember, there were the uh, yeah. wind buttons, whip inflation now. Right. And it was trying to kind of break that psychology of inflation. And we dealt with it again in 83, 84. And for a long time, nominal interest rates stayed high because the market did not believe that inflation had truly been beaten. Yeah. Um, didn't Volcker spike the overnight lending rate to somewhere north of 19 percent at one point? Yeah, Volcker changed the whole game. Uh, Paul Volcker, of course, Federal Reserve chairman right. in the late 70s, early 80s. And what he did is he moved from targeting short-term interest rates to targeting the, essentially the money supply. And so what it did is between October of two, 1979 and, and I think early 1982, the short-term rates bounced all over, you know, you'd see swings of a couple percent in only, in only a couple months. And, and, but it was probably what was necessary to get inflation under control, which he certainly did. Well, no. and it's not unlike, I know a lot of people want to second guess Mr. Bernanke, right. but, you know, thank God for him. 
Yeah, monetary policy is easy when things are nice and, right. and perfect, and it's there's not a lot of great playbooks for big financial crises and almost unprecedented surges of inflation, which is what both of those two Fed chairmen had to deal with. Right. Yeah, we just got a new Fed chair, uh, Jay Powell, right? Right. Uh, and there's been some talk that he might go away from something Bernanke actually enacted where he's got better communication with the market. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, when I first started following economics when I was an undergrad, we saw very little communication directly from the Fed with the markets. We used to kind of watch the bond market and try to figure out what the Fed was going to do. Then we went to press releases. Then we went to press conferences and dot diagrams and things like that. And past some point, I, I don't know if the market's really well served by having that many people out commentating on the economy all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, because there's agree. talking heads like us that just beat it to death. Yeah, well, I mean, we talk about what we've heard, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, Which is, and, and the more we hear, the more we talk. Right, so, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, the old uh, the old fat suitcase surprises. Uh, oh, yeah. in, the Greenspan indicator yeah, about how thick his portfolio was. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think sometimes a good surprise is just what we need. Yeah, but another part of the pie is this. I mean, the Fed's important. But, you know, sometimes people act as if that's the one thing that drives the economy. And I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe that people getting out of work and going to work every day and bearing entrepreneurial matters. risk, that matters right. to me. Watch those yeah. trailer tractor truck. Tra- tractor tractor trailer. trailer. Easy for me to say. Yeah, the truck's going down to... 75. Yeah, no we'll doubt. see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments, It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.